0: And indeed, that's what the blood of Christ is able to accomplish, and his righteousness. Now, we come to the Lord's Supper with a different uh, message than our uh, typical one that we're going through in in Ephesians. And uh, so I'd ask that we turn to Luke 22, 1 through 30, and I'll read it. Luke twenty-two one through thirty. Let me do one thing uh, first. Uh, in light of the hymn we just sang, which reminded me of our regular, normal reading of the New Testament, along with our responsive reading, which I overlooked. So, in the bulletin, let me read First Hebrews eight. 10 through 12 <clears throat> Hebrews 8:10 through 12 For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind, and write them in their hearts; and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord: for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities, will I remember no more. This is the covenant of grace. The covenant of grace. I will be and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And you shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber, where I shall eat the Passover? with my disciples, the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth, as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors." But ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among the kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Let's pray again. Thank you, O Lord, for this portion of your word. May it be instructive, may it be helpful, may it be encouraging to our faith and to our life, that we may, Lord, even in our worship of you, and especially in our Remembrance of you at the table glorify you. In Christ's name, amen. Now, there are different terms for the Lord's Supper, including communion or Holy Communion. Remember, that was the term used when I was in the Roman Catholic Church. And, uh, of course, the Lord's Supper in Presbyterian circles and in the Reformed Continental you have the Lord's table, which comes up in our catechism, the Hilbert Catechism. We see in verse 21 the reference by our Lord to the table. How is it His table? Now, the table itself does not belong to Him, but to the good men of the house that made the room available to them, the upper room. But the table in heaven that he refers to at the end is his. Meaning in total that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. But how is this earthly table referring back to where they are met in the upper room his? First because of the Passover meal that's spread on it as we note at the beginning where the guest chamber was where he says, I will eat the Passover with my disciples. The Passover meal is all about Christ. The Passover, when the angel of death passed over the firstborn of the household of God's people, but destroyed the firstborn of of Egypt, is a type of Christ. The lamb that is sacrificed in the Passover is a type of our Redeemer. And so if you would turn to Exodus 12, 3 through 11, we have a history lesson here of that. And I won't read all the verses, but uh, selected one. So uh, Exodus 12, beginning at verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying... In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the house will be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep, or from the goats." And you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it jumping down to verse 11. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins gird, girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It is, it is not also speaking to our sojourn, even as they sojourned in the desert shortly after that. In our passage again in Luke 22, the Lord says, I desire to have this Passover with you before I suffer. Again, Jesus is the true Passover. And soon he would be sacrificed on the cross for our sins. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him that taketh away the sin of the world. Paul, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as you are unleavened, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Also, how is this table His? Not only because of the Passover that was prepared and put upon it, but because Jesus instituted it. It is actually two meals, or one meal in two parts, with a break in between in verses 16 and 17. If the Passover was a type of the Lord's Supper in the Old Testament, which the Old Testament saints partook of in remembrance of the work of Messiah to come, this last Passover celebrated by our Lord and his disciples would become his actual Lord's Supper. And Christ instituted both. He is Yahweh. He is Jehovah after all. And in the New Testament, he, it is called the Lord's Supper. The elements would represent him, as we read earlier. And this would be also his last Passover with his disciples. And his first and last Lord's Supper with his disciples. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Let me add that the Reformed understanding of the Lord's Supper, which is very important, is that Jesus is not the elements themselves, transformed or transfigured, as the Roman Catholic Church would say, into his actual body and blood, celebrated in the Holy Eucharist of the Mass. Nor is it his body somewhere in the Lord's Supper, called consubstantiation by the Lutherans. But he is truly present in the Lord's Supper spiritually, by the work of his spirit, even as the Holy Spirit is in the faithful preaching of God's word and the gospel. So he's not there physically, but spiritually, spiritually. And though our Lord is in heaven in the flesh, in that spiritual sense, our Lord is with all of his people throughout the world where he is celebrated in the Lord's Supper. Supper is a picture one day of the fine dining that we will have in his presence in the ambience of heaven itself as he said, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Lastly, how is this table his? It is his because the Bible tells us so. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians 10.21, one. First Corinthians 10.21, which is one of the passages that deals with the Lord's Supper. It says, the Apostle Paul, that is, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table. There you go. And of the table of devils. So, this is his table. His earthly table, as it were, is the Lord's table, as is the heavenly table to come. And it is for all those, as he says, who continue in his temptations, in his trials, the trials of his present life, the trials of living the Christian life, the trials of following Jesus, who said, If any man would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. An application. Who could eat and drink? According to our Heidelberg Catechism 81, Those who are displeased with themselves for their sins, yet trust that these are forgiven them, and that their remaining infirmity is covered by the passion and death of Christ. Notice that it doesn't say that you have to be sinless. Notice that it doesn't say that you have to be more perfect than you were yesterday. It says, if you are displeased with your sins and if you're trusting in Christ to forgive you of your sins. Because if it was, because we are without sin, and there are those who believe that, even as there are those who may not hold to absolute holiness in this life, but who are very meticulous and who they let into the supper, uh, we would, none of us, dare to approach the table for fear of our lives. Because as what had happened in one instance in the church of Corinth, some slept. Because they failed to judge themselves that they'd be not judged with the world. When it says that they slept or that one slept, it meant that he died. Even partaking of the Lord's Supper. And actually, I heard of one testimony of someone in a local church that had passed from this life at the Lord's Supper. So, it's not that we have to be sinless, because the Bible says if we say we had no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. None of us is worthy to approach the table, even as none of us is worthy to enter heaven. And so, what is meant by that, and that is the words of the Apostle Paul when he says that uh, we must be worthy of the supper is that we have this spirit of brokenness before God and repentance in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and a desire for him and a clinging to his perfect world. As Ursinus, who wrote the Heidelberg Catechism, said, those only ought to come to the Lord's Supper, and they alone Are worthy guests of Christ who live in true faith and repentance. Unquote. Another question I would ask is where do we eat and drink? Well, of course, here in the church. And and that really is an important point, by the way, uh, where the gospel is being proclaimed and, and where the church of Jesus Christ is. The administration of the Sacraments take place of baptism, the Lord's Supper, and there is Christian discipline being administered as well. But sometimes the chronically ill brethren, for example, that are uh, at home, shut at home, shut down, shut in at home, they're not shut down, (laughs) but shut in, and in convalescent homes, may partake of the Lord's Supper and, and should actually be followed up by the elders of the church to that end. And that has been done in the past. But what I'm referring to in particular is the spiritual location, as it were. Even as in Psalm 23, David wrote, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over Christ has prepared a table for us in the wilderness of this world. This is it. Think about that. Even as it was said of the Old Covenant Church in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4 which I'd like us to turn to as well, which reads, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat or food. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Isn't that amazing? This testimony of the Apostle Paul shows the continuity of the covenant church between old and new. And shows that ultimately all of God's people before Christ and after or since are partaking together in that same work of Christ, are partaking of the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. Another question why would we eat and drink? Because it's a table of remembrance, after all. Remembering our Lord, remembering his work, remembering it in the past brings to our minds the reality that the Lord left his throne of glory, became man, and as man gave himself as an atonement in our behalf. In Isaiah 53, the prophet in this most amazing chapter, which is smack dab in the middle of this book, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, According to Isaiah, as some have put it, declared in Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. You can look it up. Let me begin at verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And the Lord hath laid upon him and hath turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Also, we remember him in the presence as we partake of the Lord's Supper. And as our catechism once more teaches, we feast upon him. We receive nourishment to our souls, to everlasting life, with his crucified body and his shed blood. As Peter would comment in First Peter 1, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So we are made more fully aware of God's great love for us. And this awareness serves to be a source of encouragement to us in our daily walk with the Lord. Let we become more and more aware of how we are in Him. He is in us. And also Paul in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, These words remind us of what the apostle calls the blessed hope and glorious appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our faith is further strengthened by the awareness that Christ has prepared a place for us in heaven and will come again and receive us unto himself that where he is there we may be also. And what a wonder it is to consider how Christ wants us to be with him forever. Especially when we know what we are in this present state. But it will be different then. For we will be like him. And we will see him as it is. is. One day his church will celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb. And don't tell me if this is what he's referring to in our passage in Luke 22, or some other feast. I think we're going to have a lot of feasts, okay? <laughs> and they will all be about our Lord. And this, I believe, will be the consummate marriage feast of God's people when we're all together, finally. In Revelation 19:9, 9, I'd like to read this in closing. Revelation 19, 9. And he saith unto me, "Right, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Praise God. Praise God. And so thus, getting back now to the here and now, to this Lord's Supper that we are soon to partake of this morning, this afternoon. invites you to eat and drink with him you who have embraced with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ and yes resurrection of Christ by faith so with that I'd like to pray oh father we thank you we thank you for this table we thank you that we may partake of your table now, that it is not only to come, but it is here already, the already and yet not yet. O oh Lord, we are thankful for this privilege and do pray that we may indeed more fully benefit from it, having heard this instruction by you to your disciples, even through this servant, Lord we praise you and give you thanks for your supper and how it indeed is not only a remembrance of you, but is a commemoration of you, and it is to further strengthen our ties with our head as members, one of another in your church. In Christ's name.